together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today that we have been given the privilege to be able to fall in love with you. Not just to be church members, not just to be identified socially with church or socially with God, but to be able to know you in a new birth. We count it such a privilege. If you never answered another prayer for us, if you never let us feel you one more time for the rest of our journey, we have got so much to be thankful for. But Lord, we know you're so faithful. When we go through tests, trials, sickness, afflictions, whatever they are, you promised us, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And we can all say today, that is so true. Not only us, but that could be rung from the earth down through seven church ages. That millions and millions of voices could ring out and say, he never forsook me either. He never left me either. We thank you for being a faithful, faithful father. As we approach you today, Lord, We ask that you would help us. Speak to us through your word. We've sung songs. We've heard prayer requests, testimonies. We've sensed your presence. Now we come to the breaking of the word. And we know that this is the most important part. And I'm the least capable of being able to stand here before these people and try to say something of eternal value. But I pray that you'd help me. Dear God, help me to move out of the way, to move aside that you can take this human instrumentality, take this portion of yourself which you placed in my life called a gift and anoint it, help the people to pull on it, that you can speak to them what they have need of. Grant it, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. How many is happy to be here today? Praise the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be be a child of God? Be set free from the clutches of the devil. Be redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus. But I might need that right there, you know. <laughs> Amen. Now let me show you a, a great mystery. The brothers, the brothers come over here and uh, fiddle with these microphones. They change the body pack. Put a different microphone on a body pack, do a different body pack, and a different microphone. Then they take their hand and they'll pull and jerk and pull and jerk and jump and all kinds of stuff. Not one bit of noise. But as soon as I turn it on, I believe that means we're in for a good service. If you don't mind, let us read the scriptures that we read again last Sunday. I just think they're so wonderful and so profound. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. I know we've been speaking on this series for a long, long time as far as the church and the reconciliation through 
kenosis, but since we're talking about something that is eternal, I'm not sure we'll ever get done. We may be on this series the day before the rapture, who knows, but when you think of it, this is what it's all going to point to at the end time. Whenever we move beyond the curtain of time and we move into that great eighth day, even before we get there, when we get to the seventh day in the millennium, it will be upon him and his mystery that's been revealed in the bride. So what do you think we're going to do in heaven? Think we're going to talk about price of gold and how everybody's so mean and hateful and how things are going on at Walmart? Can you imagine a world where there'll never be any such things like that? Nobody will ever be sad. Nobody ever be weary. No cancer, no ERs, no doctors, no nurses. I'm not saying some of them won't be saved now, but I'm saying they won't be practicing medicine no more. But can you imagine a place where there is no pain and no heartache? It's that what in the world are we going to do? Well, I'm not sure exactly, but I know it'll be absolutely perfect. And there won't be no thermostats. So people will be worrying about it being too hot or too cold, some freezing death and some fanning, some wiping sweat and some, you know, you imagine a world where it's absolutely perfect? I, I can't. Honestly cannot imagine where nobody will ever complain or say, I tell you what, I like to burn up today. Nobody will ever say, I was freezing to death. Nobody else said that. Them angel choirs were so loud. Somebody said in the back, that soprano angel was so low I couldn't even hear him. Not one complaint. You can have the streets of gold. Just put me there. <laughs> no complaints. Everybody loving one another. Man, you can have the gold. You can have all the rest of it. Notice this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now, we could read this one verse and stop right here and probably preach for six months easily on the head over all things in the church. That means every gift, every musician, every singer, every God-called man, he's over all things given to the church, every member here and around the world, which is his body, the fullness, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the church is his body, not only mystically, but local assembly. Now, as I mentioned last Sunday, some folks emphasize mainly the mystical part. Some like to emphasize mainly the local part. But we know it takes both in the economy of God. Notice this in Ephesians 2, 6. And hath raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now here's the mystical part. So everybody around the world today, already in the Netherlands and France and Europe and Africa and all that, they've already had their service because seven to eight hours ahead of us in time. So some of them are streaming us now. So all of those that are in Christ Jesus are in the same mystical body that you and I are in. Has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, of his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So in the future days that are to come, this is going to be part of what we're going to be talking about. 
in this blessed kingdom of the eternal. It will take eternity for him to reveal himself. You think, what are we going to be doing focusing around him and us? Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Chapter 5, verse 23. What a great symbol that Paul paralleled in using the earthly relationship. Of all the human relationships that there are, parents and children and nephews and uncles and aunts and cousins and so on and so on and so on. But yet he chose this one because it symbolized the closest that was husband and wife to him and the church. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. So from the head, the brain, this is why when people get sick and if they are what we call brain dead, then the family has to make a decision whether to turn off the life support. And I've stood by many different ones, the family wanting me to be there with them. And when they turn this off and unplug that and turn that off, if they are brain dead, only within a matter of moments will things start deteriorating. And they deteriorate rapidly. Why? This is the control part. So the reason, just put in a simple form so you'll be able to understand it. Why the Lord hates organizational system, not people, but the system, is because the organization wants to be the brain of the body. Bishops, overseers, they want to... They want to move this preacher here, this one there, this one does this. So they want to replace the intelligence in the body and make the organization the head of the church. Praise the Lord. And I don't mind telling you that's why I resent any organizational spirit around this message that wants to place any man to be over the head of this message. Each local assembly is sovereign within itself. Is that right? So any man who raises up in our ranks that goes to try to tell us what we should do and not do, I resent that because it's a spirit of organization. Let's pray over the word again, shall we? Father, thank you today for your word. We ask your blessings on it. Anoint me. Anoint the people. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. And the saints said, God bless you. You may be seated. The picture of a uniform body, both mystical and natural, helps us to realize how the Lord Jesus intended to carry on his work in the earth. In Ephesians here, as we've read, Paul tells us that the Lord Jesus is actually the head of the body. So the body cannot tell the head what to do. The feet cannot tell the head to operate this way and that way. God, so wonderfully, when he made a human being, he made much of the operation of our body in the supernatural realm, of course, but much of it is in the natural realm. So we have a conscience 
and a subconscious. I don't know about you, I'm so grateful that God did not make my heart, my blood pressure, my regulation of many of the systems of my body to be totally dependent upon a conscience awakeness that I must have in order to operate. Because if he did, you and I would never be able to sleep. Now think if God would have put our heart rate and God would have put our blood pressure and God would have put many things about our body on the conscience side only, then whenever we went to sleep, well, guess what? There wouldn't be none of us here today because we'd all done been dead. So God knew exactly where to put so much of the systems of the body on the side, which would be affected, of course, by the conscience level, but they would be able to operate even when you and I would be able to be in a coma. And we would be totally out. We might be out for six months. I read not long ago of a man who had been in a coma for two years. A coma for two years. Had not spoke, had not batted his eyes, had not voluntarily moved his limbs or anything like that. And the doctors wanted to unhook him. They wanted to do this, that, and the other. And the families just decided, nope, they just didn't feel to do it. And it wasn't but just a month or so ago, the man opened his eyes, come to himself, and started talking. Now you're saying, how on the world could that be but yet God has put the body to where the body will operate on the conscious level and the subconscious level even our dreams we know the reason that we're able to have them is because a part of us goes out and the circadian level of our sleep how it moves from phase one phase two phase three and we go into that deeper phase of our sleep and we may not be there but an hour or two during the nighttime but it's when we're there that we're get our deepest rest but yet our body is able to operate sure the blood pressure goes down a little bit and the heart rate will slow down but it's in that time frame that your body is going through this process and you're being restored your body is actually doing wonderful things while you're sleeping and it's the same in the supernatural body so there's parts in the body that people will do and their part will hardly ever be seen there's people right here in our assembly and they do wonderful things for the kingdom of God and for the local body. Yet, they don't want it known. They will never be public figures that everybody will see and know, well, they done this and they done that. No, they're not going to be people like will be a song leader or the musicians or special singers that will come up and you will know them or the ministry that will come up. But if you take them people out of our body, our body is no longer the same as it was. So God contributes to the body as it pleases him. And God gifts the body in the way that will bring him honor and glory. Now, no doubt, there's parts of the natural body that gets more glory and recognition than other parts about our body. I personally have never seen my heart. I've never seen many things on the inside of me. But yet, I know if, if I don't have them there, I'm not going to be able to live. How do you know me? How many of you know me? You know me by my feet? No, most of you don't know being by my feet. My daughters probably wouldn't even know my feet separate from other people's feet. Closer one would be my wife. And yet many of you are not known by your feet. 
Many of you are not even known by your hands. But what are you most known by? Your face. What is the technology that man is breaking into in this day, even on our phones, and we can set up our phones, and it's called the face ID. So you hold up your phone simply by facial recognition, and you're able to open your phone. Of course, unless you took your picture before you started wearing masks. Then you have to reach up and pull your mask down because your phone don't know who you are. Is that right? So how are we identified? By our face. So our face gets more recognition than our hands or our feet or the calves, our muscles, our bone, our sinew, our tissue, all of that. But you strip all of the above out of our body, it really makes no difference how beautiful your face is or how handsome that it is. You can't walk on your face. You can't get around on your face. Wouldn't you look really strange? If God would have attached your feet right here under the bottom part of your jaw and you would have walked around and all of us would have been about that tall, I'm glad for the torso. Well, you may think your face is the most important thing. I'm telling you, your legs play a major part in who you are. So it's the same thing in the working of the body. It's the same way mystically when people are baptized into the body mystically. There are people that are baptized into a greater portion than many of us will ever have. There's preachers that are so much more important than I will ever be. And I, pro I personally have no problem in that because I've recognized a long time ago who I am. And I have a very small portion, a very small part to play in the economy of God. So I don't get jealous of preachers who are greater. Preachers than I am have a bigger church than we do and more people stream their services. I have no problem with that at all. I just want to be faithful in what God has given me to be. Don't you? Now, I, I want to be able to have and to be able to be exactly what he wants me to be. But I'm grown up enough to know that if God has given more to another man than he's given to me, that God apparently could not trust me or I'm not made so I'll be able to take that man's burden. So I want to be happy and I want to fulfill what the Lord has given me. If God gives me this much and he gives Brother Tim Pruitt that much and Brother Ron Spencer that much more and Brother West that much more, I have no problem with that. I just want to be what God wants me to be. And I want to be faithful in that, but I also know they cannot be complete without me because I cannot do their part and they cannot do my part. Now, whenever the Lord designed that the church would be a body, he had not only given uh, just slight mirror images of it in the Old Testament. We can see it through Moses and we can see the gift as the Spirit of God put part of that off of Moses and put it upon the body and we can see some of the people that they got jealous because people started prophesying. Moses said, don't get jealous because of me. I would to God that all of God's people were prophets. So you can see when God started dispensing a little bit of that anointing from one person that the people went in his defense. Same thing under the ministry of John the Baptist, and I hate to say it, but it's the same thing under the ministry of Elijah of our day. That people get jealous if they see God using men and they're doing great things for the kingdom of God because they think it's going to take away something from Brother Branham. It will never take away from what our prophet has done. We will always need the messenger of the hour. He will 
always be above us, even in heaven. When we get there, Brother Branham will have a huge portion of heaven, however that works and whatever that means, I don't know. But that's what the voice told him. And there will always be hierarchy even in the eighth day. And the prophet of God will always be above us. He will present us to the Lord Jesus at that day. Is that right? And I have no problem with that myself. I don't want his position. I just want to be what God's made me. And it should be each of us that desire the same. Now, whenever we look at the things that God attributed into the New Testament, into the making of the body, there was many things that he was add, that he would add. It was grace, it was mercy, it was kindness, it was revelation. But there were seven major ads that Peter wrote about and Paul didn't even actually get to mention them in the order that Peter wrote it. But Peter, let's read this if you would in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue. So faith is the bottom it is the bottom foundation it is the first of the seven ads. Now remember the prophet when he drew this out and he preached this, that he drew it out and it was with the church ages. So you got the church ages being the pyramid you got the church age messengers on one side and then you've got these virtues on the other side and he attributed a major virtue to each age that was to be sought for but since we're living in the last day God wants us to have more than faith he wants us to have more than virtue and we know that the second church age had to have more than virtue they also had to have faith but because it is a building of a mystical body God is building up the stature of of a perfect man or a perfect woman. And it is one that is baptized in the Holy Ghost and they have these virtues that are in them and they are abounding. Now I love this word abound because it means multiplying and growing. So a person could have faith and virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and all these other virtues but it doesn't mean that they've grown into the fullness of what God wants them to be. No doubt every one of us sitting here today could say amen Lord that's me I need more faith I need more virtue I need more of these things in my life now notice this that Peter said beside this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to notice this now you are the one that God is telling you through the apostle Peter that you must allow the spirit of God to add this to your life but all of us know the Lord cannot add to us unless we see that we have a deficit. This is why it's so important that we hear the preaching of the word and the Lord is able to use the servant of God to be able to go right down into our heart and to be able to customize the service to where every individual will be able to hear what they have need of. God cannot add to us. Remember, the spirit of Laodicea is know-it-all. The spirit of Laodicea and its part that we have to fight around this message. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Some of the worst ones I've ever dealt with in my life with a know-it-all attitude. Oh, I dealt with some in Pentecost, sure. But some of the worst ones I've ever dealt with are people that say they believe this message. You can't hardly tell them nothing. They think they know more than the prophet of God. They think they know more than a God-called pastor that spent decades of his life in the Word. They know more than evangelists. They know more than everybody. That's a terrible attitude to have. I hope and pray to God that we never get to such a spot. 
Now, we must see that there is a deficit and the thing that the Laodicean church could not see was they said, I am rich and increased with goods and I have need of nothing, which also meant the seven virtues. It meant Malachi 4. It meant they didn't need preaching on holiness. They don't need to be told how to live. They absolutely need nothing. They have all they need, they think. They have all they want, so they don't want anybody telling them to live closer. They want you to preach to them a little 15 or 20 round mouth sermon, you know, go about 15 or 20 minutes and tell them how good they are, how sweet they are, and how they're fixing to upgrade from a BMW to a Mercedes. And then from that, who knows, maybe a Lamborghini or who knows which way they're going. And boy, you have got their ear. And they will support you with everything as long as you're bragging on them and really telling them how good they are. Well, I'm sorry, I'm called to tell the truth. And if you've got sin in your life and shortcomings in your life, I'm going to skin you up one side and down the other. Now, that's also me included. That's me included. Amen? Because whenever I'm preaching, I just ain't preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I'm going to preach to my wife. I'm going to preach to my brother, my sister-in-law, my daughters, my son-in-laws, my granddaughters. Nobody left out. Everybody included. Because you know what? I love you that much. I love you so much that I don't want to rub you on the head and leave you in a cold, Laodicean condition and you thinking that you're all right with God. Nope. I love you with all of my heart. I'm going to tell you the truth, even if you get mad at me initially when I do it. One of these days you'll hug my neck. That's right. We must realize that we have a deficit. If we have a deficit in our love, then we will allow the Spirit of God to add to that deficit and bring it up to the level that it needs to be. So it's the same with virtue. What is virtue? It's the ability for us to be able to minister to others. The Lord Jesus, whenever the woman had touched his garment, said, who touched me? And uh, we know the story. And finally said, well, virtue has gone out of me. So what was virtue? It was strength by which he had been able to supply this to the woman now him even unbeknowing till it was going on and the woman pulled strength from him. You know what I'm talking about if you've ever prayed for people or talked to people or maybe just share somebody's burden and you feel my when you leave from talking to them it feels like you are drained. I mean that's what I'm saying why is that? Because you have opened up your heart your soul to the presence of God and you've allowed the spirit of God to pull out of you something that brother or sister needed. Maybe they were so down and they were so low and they didn't know what they were going to do and somehow you just felt the anointing move on you and you talk to them. You don't have to be a preacher to do that. You talk to them and you encourage them and you said, I'm praying for you. Uh, hang in there. Don't you give up now. We're too close to the end. By doing that you're being a channel by which virtue can flow out. Don't everybody want that. So we add to our faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge. What kind of knowledge is it? It's not just knowledge of the word of being able to quote it, but it is a divine knowledge. And then to knowledge, we add temperance. And what does temperance do? This is not just in drinking now to where it makes you temperate, but it makes your temper to where that it is under control. It helps us to deal with one another. You see these things, these seven ads that were going to be added to the individuals down through 
through the ages. It is necessary not in their dealing for angels. It is not that the saints of God need these attributes because they're dealing with angels every day. It is not that they need this to deal with the Lord Jesus, but they need these things to deal with their fellow brothers and sisters, and they also needed to deal with the ungodly and the unconverted and the unconvertible on this earth that they have to rub shoulders with every day. For we know from the type of Moses that Moses being in the presence of God, we have no sign whatsoever that that Moses lost his temper while in the presence of God. We have no record written in the scripture that Moses got into trouble and got angry in the presence of God. But when did Moses begin to display his weakness of temperance as soon as he come off the mountain and got into the presence of God and dealing with their faults and their shortcomings and all of that sort of thing. We find a man walking straight from the presence of God standing in a place that no mortal up to that time had ever stood. He walked right out of that and caught a view, just a glimpse of what these people were doing and heard them with the music and saw them dancing and doing all they were doing. He got so mad that he took the tables that God had wrote on with his own finger and he got so beside himself with anger that he threw down those tablets and break them to pieces. Now that's what we can do to one another. Now, they were God's people, oh yes, and God loved them, and God's still going to provide for them, but we need these things to deal, as I said, with each other, because we are still humans, even though we are seed, and for many of us, even though we are born again. Notice then, uh, to knowledge, temperance, to temperance, patience. Uh, Again, notice all the things that are going to be added to these perfect sons and daughters of God, and it has helped them to deal with their walk with one another. To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, if these things, notice how important that these things are. This is not like an option of power windows on your car, or power door locks, or do you want XM satellite ready or not? No, I really don't want it. Okay, well, that's fine. We'll sell it to you without it. It's not like that this are these types of accessories that can be added if you want them. This is what's required to be in the elect body of the pyramid. Now, notice we've got a body that's shaped like this. So this is what the prophet drew it out. Again, God could have used a square. He could have used a hexagon. He could have used anything that he wanted. But God chose this symbol right here as a pyramid. In that body has been the building of seven church ages under the administration of seven major messengers. Out from under those seven men come other men who are also faithfully taught and they propagate that same word under the same influence. So they don't just say what the messenger said, but they say it with the same anointing and the same attitude. Then on the other side over here are virtues that are also added into that. Now I know friends some of you get all tore up because the Seventh Thunder Group took that and they capitalized on it and made basically another organization around us. But that's only a scarecrow. Scarecrows shouldn't scare eagles that should just scare crows. So I believe the truths of the seven virtues. I believe 
believe the truth of the seven thunders. I just don't believe what men say they are. I believe they are what the prophets said they were. Is that right? The voice of God in every age uttering out the mystery of God for that age. And of course we live in the seventh age so we must catch the voice of God as it thunders out the word for this hour which is what? We're going back to 1906 Pentecost? Nope. We're just sanctification? Nope. Just justification? It's all of that plus it's all the loose ends gathered together and that which is necessary to build rapturing faith in the individual. So God builds, God adds a virtue, another, another. Then the, our, our particular virtue which was going to be emphasized in this day was going to be brotherly kindness. Now notice then in verse 7, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now charity, you remember when the prophet drew this out, there was a little tiny pyramid setting above the entire pyramid itself, which the capstone is a pyramid in miniature form. So he drew this pyramid like this and he left the top of it flat and then right in that little gap between that, there was a little gap and then right on the very top was a miniature pyramid which is supposed to sit right down on the entire body and cap it off. What was the capstone, the headstone? It was charity which is God himself. So it's more than just a baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is the great creator himself coming into each of us and capping off our life with himself once he can see in us that which is required. Make sense? Say amen if it does. Now notice how important these are in verse 8. For if these things be in you. Notice this little small gigantic two letter word. If these things be in you and abound. So they're not just there but they're growing and they're getting greater. Now one of the applications of this word abound is actually used in the flora and that is of a flower or of a tree that puts forth a bud. And the, the tree or the fire will put it forth in that little small tiny stage and then it will abound from a bud and it'll move into another stage and it'll open up. Then it abounds a little more and it opens up and it abounds a little more and it opens up. So Peter's saying these things must not just be in you but they must abound in you. So there you will have faith and virtue and patience and all these wonderful things and they'll not just be there, oh yes, I've got them, praise God, hallelujah, I've got them. Well, if you've got them, we'd like to see them. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you've got them, oh my, I, I can't hardly wait already. I'm getting excited already for spring of 2022. You say you're crazy. No, I'm not crazy. I've just seen thousands of leaves falling in the last few weeks, and I know it ain't going to be long. These beautiful mountains are going to be flat ugly. That's right, because they ain't going to have no leaves on them. So I'm already looking forward to spring. And what will happen in the spring? A little tiny bud will start pushing out, but I'm glad it don't stay in that stage. It will abound, and it will reveal itself more, and then more, and more. That's what the Lord wants done in our lives. Notice what happens to you and I as individuals. For if these things be in you and abound, they, 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 make you. Now listen, then it's not you. 
If these things are in us and they abound and they are actually growing out of us, oh my, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So these things will actually start growing into fruition and they will come out of our lives and they will make us, they will, they will make us where we will not be barren. So you go up to a dogwood tree or whatever kind of tree it is, a popper or whatever, and it's putting out of that. How do we know that that popper tree made it through the winter? How do we know that the hard winter did not kill it because the life is bursting forth out in the little blossom and we can see it there but what if it turns brown and falls off well we know death struck it and something happened is that right so it could still have it it could look oh my we got great hope here comes March there it is oh it won't be long it's coming out then March then April then May then June and nothing happens to that little dogwood bloom nothing happens to the yellow poplar instead of bursting forth and coming out it just turns brown and drops off and falls. That's not what we want to be as children of God. We want to abound and let the love of God come out of us and that within itself will testify that we are changed people. That we are people that is coming into the very image of what God intends for us to be. Oh, praise God. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But look, listen what happens if you don't have them. But he that lacketh these things. What things? Faith, virtue. All these virtues that the, the Peter wrote about, he that lacks him. It makes no difference how much he jumps. It makes no difference how much he shouts, how much he quotes the prophet, listen to tapes every day. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you miss this, if you don't have these, listen what he said. But he that lacketh these things. Is blind. Now you say, I, I see, I see, I see Malachi 4. But here you've got a double check of your blindness. Amen. Do you have these things in your life? You see, your eyes might be open to Malachi 4. But are they open to this? Do you see a need for this in your life? Well, Peter said, we do believe this is the word of God. Peter said that he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. Now, I want you to notice, so it is the long-term vision of an individual that is missing here. Why? They are a person that is living for right now. So they are living for today and tomorrow, maybe by the end of the week. So they cannot see very far off at all, but they're so wrapped up in time. They're just so wrapped up in the things at present. You see, these virtues add a visibility and they will extend your vision beyond time, beyond the grave, beyond tomorrow, beyond next week. It extends your vision on back into the realm of eternity where you came from in the first place. But those that don't have this don't see a need for it. They really don't see it's vitally important. They've accepted Jesus as their Savior. They've been baptized and that's all they need. No, you just got started. 
Notice he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his whole sin. Now listen, what a detriment it is to an individual that lacks these great virtues or these ads that are to be given to us. For if these things be in you, they will make you that you will abound. It'll make you that you won't be barren or unfruitful. Then the opposite of that will be. But he that lacketh these things is blind. So it's not just then that you're unfruitful and that you're barren, but it is that you are blind. So you have a spiritual blindness. Though you say, oh, I believe the message. Well, I'll go to Happy Valley Church. I, I believe that Brother Branham was a prophet. That's well and good. But this is about you. This is about you as an individual. This is not just about Brother Branham. This is not just about your wife or your husband or your pastor, but this is describing you. Now remember, we are individually baptized collectively into the body. So we are mystically, we are part of the body and we are also part of a local assembly. But God is taking all over the world and baptizing individuals into that body. And this speaks of the church ages, these verses here, but it also speaks about us as individuals, the pastor included, the ministry included, the deacons, the trustees, every one of us are included in what God wants for us. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. But Peter goes on to say in the next verse, if you'd like to read him when you get time, that he that has this and abounds in all these great things of God, he will never fall. Never fall. So here is something that's tied into security. Eternal security that's going to keep you from backsliding. So it's not just a baptism of the Holy Ghost on your spirit that you can get it and feel God and feel the anointing all over you and still yet, you know, in and out and up and down sort of thing. But it actually places you into the kingdom of God so that you will never fall. Never fall. Now, he didn't say because you make so much money at the end of the year and because you've got so much house and lands and property. These are the things right here friend that's going to keep us. It's this right here that's molded into the body. Because remember, God is building the church ages, so is God also building an individual. Oh, you know, it makes it so sad because you realize many of the folks in our ranks, I'm scared this is what they're missing. Many of them have great understanding of the doctrines of the message. They know it so well, they can debate it. They can argue it. My, if you quote a quote and leave out an and or a Z or whatever more, they know exactly where you left it out. They can tell you exactly you said this wrong and you said that wrong. Uh, you know what? I've never found one quote myself or one scripture where that that's a sign that you've got eternal life. But it's when these things are in us and they are abounding out of our lives. Now watch this in the statue of a perfect man. Here the prophet said that after Sardis, Luther, then comes Philadelphia, godliness. Now watch how he's tying the attribute of the virtues in Peter here, and he allows the increment of that into the church age. So you've got the church age messenger, you've got the church age, and then you've got one of those virtues that's allowed in every age. But remember, we're at the top. So we ain't just got brotherly kindness, we've got to have all of it. 
Oh my. We got to have all of it. Then comes Philadelphia, godliness, Wesley, holiness, just shall live of faith, Luther, sanctification through Wesley. Then come in brotherly kindness through the Laodicea. So watch now, here he identifies the main ad, the main virtue that God wants to identify in the Laodicean church age is what? Brotherly kindness. Wonder why? Wonder why it would be that. Now my, we emphasize faith so much in miracles and supernatural. I believe in all of that too. I believe in faith. I believe in the supernatural. The Lord healed several people right here Wednesday night. Someone, we prayed for them, some as they were sitting right there in the service and some as they were streaming the service God healed them that way. So do we believe in faith? I do. I do believe in faith but I also believe in brotherly kindness. And when a brother gets all side out of sorts or a sister that we don't cut them off. Well they're serpent seed, they're this, that. No. We need more brotherly kindness. And the church said, how many needs more brotherly kindness with me this morning? Watch this. Then come in, then come in brotherly kindness. Now could could Luther have an element of brotherly kindness? Yes. Could Paul's age have an element of it? Yes, they could. But the virtue that was going to be mainly displayed in this age, right at the very capping, what's it going to be? What will charity set down on? Charity will not set down on face. Now take the little tiny pyramid, the headstone, and put it down here on the base, the very first level, and here what would you find? You'd find charity setting right on top of faith. Look how much difference you'd have on either side of that capstone. Well, let's lay another layer. Let's go from faith to virtue. Now let's bring the headstone down on top of the virtue. We've still got room on both sides. We can bring it on up to the third age, fourth age, fifth age, sixth age, and we even bring it as close as number six. And we try to set the headstone on top of number six. It will not work. But if we are baptized by the Holy goes into the body and the Lord displays these things out of our lives and then brotherly kindness comes right to the very top and then when the headstone starts descending it will set right down on that brotherly kindness and there'll be no gap on the sides there won't be an inch and a half on this side and three inches on that side a foot on that side it will fit perfect and the prophet used the word vulcanize vulcanize now he likened it to tires rather that were that were repaired and vulcanized and some of you may still have recaps and they will take that and recap those tires and it's the system by which they're able to glue one substance to another and make it stick now we know all of us are familiar with glues and we break something and we want to fix it and you try you know the crazy glue on this and that and the other one of the best things that it glues that I've ever seen in my life is my fingers some of the other stuff is questionable. But it does a really good job on my fingers, don't it, yours? Well, you can see then each of these virtues have the attribute of the vulcanization built within themselves. So you lay face, then virtue has the ability to vulcanize on top of faith. And then on and on and on and on till you reach the seventh at the top. And then charity will set down on top of what? Brotherly kindness. Ah, I find it so amazing because of the the age that's supposed to have so much brotherly kindness seems like we have so little tolerance for those who differ with us in our doctrine. 
It's amazing how people will cut you off if you don't believe the seven thunders the way they do or believe the, the Perugia or whatever more the way they do. And we're supposed to be in the age of brotherly kindness. Well, we are in that age and somebody's going to get it and I'm going to be one of them. Well, praise the Lord. Notice then come in brotherly kindness through the Laodicea. And we believe the great message of the second peering of Elijah in the last days shall sweep the land. Amen. Notice again in page 50. And now we put the blood of Jesus Christ in. See, notice this. And that brings the faith of Jesus Christ. The virtue of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see what this is. This is him loving through you. This is him believing through you. This is him loving that brother that's all out of tune through you. Because sometimes, let's just be honest, our love runs out. Our faith runs out. Our temperance runs out. Now, he goes on to tell us that some of these are nature given. And this is why many people are mistaken and feel like because they have a little bit of patience and a little bit of virtue and a little bit of faith and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, they think they've got it. But that of yours will run out. But if it's the brotherly kindness of Jesus Christ, it has no end. Why? He needs it toward us. How do you figure the mercy of God is dealing with us in our stupidity, our laziness? Well, come on now, Happy Valley. How do you figure he puts up with us and all of our mistakes and all the foolish things that we've been, that have happened just since we got saved? What is it? He has and he is the source of brotherly kindness. So he does not look at us as a vengeful God that's wanting to take judgment out on us but he become one of us a man and how does he minister to us as our high priest oh hallelujah he ministers to us as our high priest and he allows this brotherly kindness brotherly kindness when I get out of tune when you get out of tune and the Lord Jesus looks at you not as divine God so much not as a holy righteous Elohim but he looks at you oh my as your brother and he understands what it feels like when you got a Peter working for you when you got a John and you got a James and these are your main guys he understands why you need patience dealing with people who are uh, really quick to speak. And the only time they open their mouths is to change feet. Jesus understands what that's like. You better be glad he's got some brotherly kindness. All of us would be in a fix today if it wasn't. So what are these virtues? It is the life of the Lord Jesus through the token life, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So it is actually the faith of Jesus. I don't mind telling you there's been times in my life that I felt like my faith had run its course. 
that my faith was down and I couldn't push any farther and all of a sudden faith from within me started believing what I couldn't believe. How many's ever been there? And the same with virtue. When you feel like you've give out so much, oh God, I can't take another phone call. I can't answer another text. I cannot answer another email and the Lord will let you get about 50 in about five minutes. So what he wants to do is to show you and me that I have come to my end and then he kicks in and there's no end to it. Praise be to God. Oh my, you know friend, he wants us to realize that we are not the source of all of these wonderful things. None of us, no matter how long we've been saved, how good we are, how gifted we are, gifts and callings of God do not impart this. This can only come from the master himself. Praise God. The face of Jesus Christ the virtue of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the temperance. So the Lord Jesus has temperance? The Lord Jesus has faith? <laughs> I'm sorry y'all hadn't read this before. The temperance of Jesus Christ, the patience. Boy, I know one thing. He sure had to use a lot of that dealing with me. And I'll go ahead and say it. He's had to have a lot dealing with all the rest of y'all too. He needed it dealing with Paul. He needed it dealing with Peter. He needed patience dealing with Brother Branham because Brother Branham was a man. Well, come on, saints. I know folks get mad as a hornet at me because I make him a man. Don't get mad at me as mom and daddy did that. Well, praise the Lord. He was a man. He was a man. I have no problem with people making Brother Branham a man. What I have a problem is when they want to make him God. Well, they want to make him without fault. They want to make him as God. They want to make him Jesus Christ and they might as well admit it. They're deity. They're idol worshipers. That's right. Oh my. The godliness of Jesus Christ. The brotherly kindness of Jesus Christ. But you see one thing that Satan done making a scarecrow to try to scare us away from the truth of this is to have a move that their emphasis would use the term brotherly kindness. But if you've ever been around that move very long at all, uh-huh, you realize how little of it that there is. Matter of fact, a couple of preacher buddies of mine was in, in this certain camp. There was a couple of years ago, they was invited to preach there. And oh my goodness, the way the meetings went and the way some of them preachers went. And this one little buddy of mine, about this tall and dark-headed, and I'll not call no names or anything, <laughs> but he told that group of people, I've had about all the brotherly kindness I can take. <laughs> well, you <laughs> You see, he was not referring to the brotherly kindness of Peter, but he was referring to the carnal impersonation that uses this name that wants to say brotherly kindness this, brotherly kindness that. If it's really the brotherly kindness of Jesus Christ, you want more and more and more and more. Do you understand? We need more and more and more and more of it. Now what? And the prophet says it this way. Oh my, my. He said the, the, the brotherly kindness of Jesus Christ, the love of God, which is Jesus Christ. He's the head that controls you. And your feet is the foundation faith controlled by the head. Takes the people. There you are. There is the perfect man of God when he possesses these virtues. 
Praise God. So when you're surrendering your complete being, then the Holy Spirit just pours through you. Now, this was what I was going to preach last Sunday. But the Lord had his say about it, so I didn't get to. So I'm just now getting actually to last Sunday's sermon. You can see why I was fighting so hard to get there. Notice this. When you're surrendering your complete being, then the Holy Spirit pours through you in these virtues. What are these virtues? These are the channels of communication by which the Lord goes through. Just like with this microphone a while ago did when I turned it on. Something wrong somewhere. It's on a different frequency or something is going on. And what was it doing? Nothing but static. Nothing but static. So I couldn't try to preach through it. You couldn't understand me. You'd be drove crazy. You'd be static nuts. That's right. You couldn't stand it. So what do we have to do? We had to use another channel. Then what can we do? I can take my thoughts of what I wish to say through this microphone. And because that channel got clogged up, stopped up, tore up, whatever, we replace it with another channel. And then you're able to sit there and hear it around the world. My voice is going and I believe it'll change people's lives. Well, it's the same with us. So God gives us, as it were, seven channels of microphones by which we're able to display the love of God. Every one of these seven will cover everything we need in life from our birth, new birth, until we are changed from this world. Nothing else needs to be added to what's here because in here is the whole continuity of the plan of God for your journey. So this is why Satan don't want us to have them naturally. This is why he don't mind us even getting them as long as we don't make them abound. And so, oh my, Lord, please let me have more patience. Let me have more brotherly kindness. Let me have more love. Let me have more faith, Lord. I've got it, but I want more. Why? So the Holy Spirit, not to make you a great person, not so that people will brag on you. Oh, you're talking about a great man. You're talking about a great woman. Let them recognize Jesus in us. Oh, notice this, in these virtues, isn't this what you are? Then you're a living tabernacle. Then people look out and say, that's a man full of virtue, knowledge, believes the word, temperance, patience, godliness, God, brotherly kindness, full of the love of the Holy Ghost walking around. What is it? A statue that believers can look at and say, there is a Christian. Wow. I used to get so tickled talking to Brother Cecil Babb about hanging wallpaper. Because Brother Cecil, bless his heart, like most men, most men are thanking God, I'm sure, that wallpaper is out. Uh -huh. See, some of you brothers have hung it before. Me and Carol, whenever we used to hang wallpaper, we'd always, I'd always tell her, now look, before we start this, I want you to know, I love you. <laughs> and when it's done, I'll still love you. Somewhere in the middle of there, we may have a little bit of, you know. <laughs> and then also when you have to take that wallpaper off, so Harry and Karen bought the house that we used to live at over in Chelsea Lane. And I sized them walls in there, for those of you who know what that means. I sized them walls before I hung that wallpaper. 
But I've often wondered since Harry and Karen bought that and then they moved out of there and sold it and they wanted to take the wallpaper out because it's out of style. They like to never got it off the wall. I've often wondered what he thought about me. <laughs> Brother Brad actually had to go over and help some with it too. But you see, even though you laugh, it's dealing with such things in our life. But maybe, maybe I'm not as close to God as some of the rest of you brothers that have hung wallpaper, but I can't really say that the anointing covers me up when I'm hanging it. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Now, maybe some of you brothers is dealing with converter guys. And boy, I mean, when you've got them on the phone, you just got the anointing of the Lord all over you and you can't hardly keep from talking in tongues. I've heard some of these brothers on the phone before. And the languages that I was hearing them speak, I'm not sure I'd call it tongues. Well, praise the Lord. Now, why do we need this? So the people of the world will be able to see Hebrews 13, 8 in laity form. Now, many of you are saying, well, I'm not called to lay hands on the sick. I'm not called to go to the hospital. I agree with that. But every one of us are called to be this. You see, Brother Random is not just preaching to the preachers on this part, but he's preaching to every son and daughter of God that we can be transformed. Friends, I hope you understand what I'm preaching. I'm preaching this is bride material. This is bride material. These are the people that will be alive and changed. Oh, a statue that unbelievers can look at and say, there is a Christian. There is a man or woman who knows what they're talking about. You've never seen a kinder, sweeter, godlier person. Notice this in blasphemous names. First, foundationally is faith. Second, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, from knowledge temperance, from temperance patience, to patience godliness, <clears throat> from godliness brotherly love, brotherly kindness. Then love being the capstone. The truth of it is for those of us who love the Lord Jesus, it's not him that we have problems with. Sometimes it's our brothers and sisters. Well, I guess I'll go on the office here and finish the rest of it. It might be a health hazard for me to finish the rest of this. <laughs> Why do we need this? We're going to spend eternity with these people. Aren't you glad your body's going to be changed? Some of you think you just need to be young. No, you need to be different. And I need to be different. I'm glad I'm not just getting young again and having the same old human makeup with all of its flaws and its imperfection. My flesh is going to be changed. Notice, then love being the capstone, seven of those things, seven church ages, seven stars of the seven church ages, and it's all tempered together by the Holy Spirit. Now that's what it takes Lord, have mercy, children, Amen. to become a servant of Christ. Amen. So listening to tapes alone will not make you that. Amen. Saying you believe Brother Branham, well, I accept Brother Branham's God's prophet. I, I accept the message. I got the Holy Ghost. There's more to it that than, than that, friends. Christ builds his church in seven church ages, his bride. A person, woman, church, 
Seven church ages constitute and make the bride. Some out of this age, some out of that age, some out of that age, and all together shaping it like a pyramid. So out of Paul's age, Arrhenius, on up, on up, on up, on up to where we are at the top. Notice this, why I'm against organized religion. What is purpose in the church? The life that was in Christ isn't reflecting in you. Don't you stand still if you haven't got patience, virtue, all these things, temperance and things, godliness, brotherly kindness, and all these things that's required of you. Required. Required. Not well if you think you need it. I mean, you know, it'd be kind of nice to have. No. It is absolutely required to go in the rapture. Help us, Jesus. So we are members of this one body, right? Watch in 1 Corinthians 10, 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread. I want you to notice now how he brings these two types in of two different categories of bread. Now the symbolism is that Paul was addressing those that would go out into the marketplace and buy the meat and, and that was offered to idols and it would cause some to stumble. And also the symbolism that whenever you would partake of idolatry, and one way they would do this was that you would take of the meat that was offered to that idol some of them would have an altar there in a temple and you would go in and you would offer this piece of meat, whatever it was, and then you would sit down and you would eat of that meat or if you offered bread, you would eat of that bread. Then you became one with that offering. So by worshiping, by eating, by partaking, then when you walked out, you were identified as being a worshiper of that God. So you didn't just come and, oh, great, whoever you are, I worship you and I adore you. I'll see you next week. But you actually brought an offering and then you ate of that offering and you become that bread. Now watch how Paul takes this symbol. The cup of the blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not of the body of Christ? Easy to understand, but notice the next verse. For we being many are one bread and one body. So when we eat of this bread, hopefully you're eating of it today. As we eat and partake of this bread, then we become a part of the sacrifice, which is Christ the Word. So then if you reject the Word in its fullness, whether or not you like it, you are rejecting your sacrifice. So by eating the bread, we actually become, here Paul said, for we being our many are one bread. So as bre bread would consist 
of different grains that would have been ground around as we know they did in this time on stones and then they would take and grind the stones over the seed whether it was wheat or corn or whatever it was and then they would grind it and grind it and then they would mix it all together and it would make a flour then with water and whatever more they added to it then they would make a bread here Paul says now that we are individual grains now you look at those grains and they're not going to all be exactly the same some would have a little bit of the heart of the corn which would be a little bit softer some would have a little bit of the wheat uh, heart of the wheat and it would crush up different so the, the grains though they'd be so so tiny every one of them would be different yet brought together in a union or a mixture with water and oil then you would put it over the hearse and what would you make you would make bread now Paul says Christ became that bread which Jesus said the same thing in St. John 6 I am that bread which came down from heaven so by us partaking of Christ's nature eating of that we go in under the atonement and we know it depends on what you think about him as to where you will take him remember in the Old Testament Deuteronomy that God said that there's only to worship in one place or one gate where he put his name and God gave them the sacrificial uh, law by which they were to take it, but then it was up to them. Now, a turtle dove or a pigeon, it was up to them to know which gate to take the sacrifice to. Now, if you lived in Hebron, you lived way away from Jerusalem. If you lived in northern Galilee, you lived way away from Jerusalem, but there's only one place that God put his name that was in Jerusalem. So if you said, well, you know what? I really don't think that I need to go all the way up there. It's a long way and I'm a poor man and I really don't have the means to be able to go up there and do it. So I'm just gonna build me an altar right down here by the Gihon Springs or I'm gonna build me an altar over here uh, next to Jericho and I'm gonna worship God right here. Well, you can do that, but God will not receive the sacrifice. Well, you see those under denominational auspices and they will grab a hold of the sacrifice Christ and they will say this is my sacrifice this is how God accepts me I'm a Christian by believing this I'm a Christian I'm a child of God by accepting this sacrifice notice which gate they take it to so they will take Christ the sacrificial lamb and they will place him inside of a denominational gate and say right here is where I'm saved You see, many of them that accept him as Savior, it's the same Lord Jesus that you accepted. Except you know which gate to put him in. What gate is it? The gate where he put his name. Where the word of God is for, you understand what I'm saying? So you can have the right sacrifice. Oh, Jesus is my Savior. Yes, Jesus. Oh, oh, Jesus, save me. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. Please forgive me, Jesus. All right, I forgive you. I've cleansed you. Now, what are you going to do with me? I'm going to take you to my mama's church because my mama was a Baptist. And I can go there and wear pants. I can go there and wear makeup. I could go there and do this and that and the other. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'll take Jesus down to the church of Christ. I guarantee he won't be welcome there. I'll take Jesus over to the Pentecost. Nope, and most of them he wouldn't be welcome either. They'll jump and shout and speak in tongues and carry on the office ever was. And many of them don't know nothing really about the foundation of God's principles and truth. But where are you, Happy Valley, going to take your sacrifice?
Oh, he's my Savior. Oh, he's my Savior. Yes, and there's only one place God will receive that Savior, that atonement. Where is it? Where he put his name. Where is the name? In the family of God, which is the house of God. And the word of God interpreted is the manifestation of the name of God. We're baptized into the house of God by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, not church membership. So you cannot get in the body by joining the church. You can join a lodge. You can join a club. You can join all kinds of things, but you can't join the church of the living God. So take your sacrifice and allow that sacrifice to immerse you into the invisible union of the bride of Christ by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There you're in God's gate. You've got God's sacrifice, God's name, God's gate, and there God will receive your worship. You see in Mark chapter seven, Jesus said, how be it in vain do they worship me? Teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. So they grab him and they take him over to a denominational church or even a message church that's got a denominational spirit. Same thing. And God said in vain, they worship me. But if you've got the sacrifice, you take it to where God birthed him and there you stay with the sacrifice. And then he, by his life, starts living his face his faith, God's faith, God's faith, God's virtue, God's patience. Amen. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus, his patience? Oh, I don't mind telling you, I need his virtues, not mine. Oh, some of us have got some pretty good things humanly, but let's just be honest, they run out. Let's stand. So as the bread consists of many grains which have been ground and kneaded and pulled together into a union, then what do they make? One loaf. One loaf, one body. You see, the table of shoe bread held the bread of his face. That's what it was called, the bread of his face. So there they would lay the loaves and then refresh them every Sabbath. It was a symbolism of Israel, but also of the bride coming. That the bride eats the word and feeds on the word and she takes Christ into her. That's why I need to be careful what website you visit. Well, come on. Yeah, you need to be careful on what a carrion that's on your smartphone out there that the devil wants to get you caught up into. Sin and vices and things that a child of God should not be involved in. Well, praise the Lord. Because as you eat on these things, you eat and you take it in. Your thinking becomes changed and modified. Well, praise the Lord. We got folks in this church that's vaxxers and we got some that's anti-vaxxers. We got some that believe COVID's real and some that I don't think they even think it is real. You know why they do? Depends on where they're getting their information from. 
Well, I buried enough folks to tell you, it is real. But what makes you where you feed, where you get your information? I could sit down and talk to two different people. One of them leaned one way and one leaned the other. And they would quote to me their favorite news commentator or their reasoning. And they'd be just as convinced if they're an anti-vaxxer. They'd be just as convinced. And the other one that's a vaxxer, they'd be so convinced when they got done. Why? The source where they're pulling their information from. And then you become the propagator of that. You can imagine what kind of church we'd have if we would all feed on this word as much as we do Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or whatever more, and we would feed on that and feed a whole lot less on Facebook and feed on Facebread. (laughs) Some of these things, friends, can be beneficial, but let's just be honest. Many of them are nothing but a snare of the devil. How many people have united with old girlfriends and boyfriends and left their husbands and wives and and adulteries and all kinds of stuff from all that social media stuff? It's easy to see. It's heading right up to the mark of the beast. And if you disagree with them, they will silence you. YouTube just this past Wednesday announced they had taken over a million, over a million Videos off of YouTube. Because, not preachers now, well, preachers is included, but because they go contrary to the way the, high, the White House says we ought to do on vaccines. Over a million. Now, I read this myself where the CEO of YouTube said it herself. The President of the United States, I certainly don't go along with everything Donald Trump did. But I believe if Iran has a right to get up and have Facebook and Twitter and Twitter and all the rest of that stuff and say, kill Israel, kill Israel, kill Israel, why don't they take them off? Why don't they shut them down? Come on, saints. Can't you see it's all heading right up to the power of control? Well, they control what you've got to say. So if you say something against what the president says or something against what the left, which is basically in control right now, says, they will shut you up. They will shut you down. Well, praise the Lord. We're at the end time. We would have never thought five years ago that would have been possible. Each step, it gets closer and closer and closer to getting to the time to where they will take over and they will try to shut us down. But remember, the prophet tells us in Christ's mystery, they'll never shut her up. She'll be taken up. But it's moving in that cycle. Many of our people leaning towards socialism. You know it as well as I do. You go through a drive-thru, you have to sit there 30 minutes. I mean, Carol had to sit outside 30 minutes the other day to get a hamburger on Sunday after church on Sunday. Why? No employees. Our government paying people to stay at home. Don't you see what that is? Socialism. Then we become dependent on them for everything. Well, I've got news from Mr. Biden and all the rest of them in the White House. There's a group of people in America and around the world that done got his number. We done know the power behind him. It ain't him, poor old guy. I'm not sure he even knows which is left and right hand. 
It's the truth. It used to be funny. It ain't funny no more. It's pitiful. This man is the, the leader of the free world. I can't imagine his family having any respect or love for the man to allow him to get up and do the blundering and all the stuff that he does. We are the laughing stock of the world. And no doubt it's for a purpose to render us weak to Russia, weak to China, weak to the powers that are America, America. How damned you are. Oh my. Lord, children, let's not play. If we've ever been serious in our life, let's be serious with God. How many want these things in your life? You want to eat of the bread and become bread. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know this simple. I know it's, it cuts to our hearts, all of us. But I personally thank you for it. I thank you for the truth. Lord, when it cuts me, I just say, God, help me. And I'm not discouraged when I see that I'm wrong. It just encourages me to move a little higher. If I can see that I'm short, I'm defective, I'm depleted, and one of these things are more than one in my life. It means I can acknowledge you, Lord, to help me and abound out of my life. But Father, I pray not only for myself today, but all of those that are here and all of those that have heard this service and those that will hear it. May the Spirit of God help each of us, Lord. To take the rapture, the prophet don't say to take the rapture, you got to be rich. To take the rapture, you got to be good looking. To take the rapture, you got to have a lot of money. To take the rapture, you got to be able to quote at least 55% of the message. But he says to take the rapture, you take it by the word. Lord, as I looked at some pictures this morning of some of our brothers and sisters in Africa and different parts of the world of mission work that's being done, books being printed. Some of them, Lord, as I saw last week, for the first time, some of our brothers and sisters to have a Bible in their own language. Many of them, the first time they have ever owned a Bible. And we've got them on our phone. We've got them here and there and there. And how much do we even use them? I saw them pictures, some of them laughing, rejoicing. Mama. Some of them getting sealed books and getting this book and that book rejoicing as if though it was a, a brick of gold. They were more happy with that than if, if it would have been $1,000, $2,000 because it was life to them. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for those who are burdened to get the word out so that your bride around the world can come to that place of maturity so it can be the patience of Jesus in Peru, the patience of Jesus in Brazil, the patience of Jesus in Kenya, in Zimbabwe, in South Africa, in Australia, in New Zealand, in Tennessee, in Illinois, the virtue of Jesus, the brotherly kindness of Jesus. Then when I mess up, Oh God, I lose battles. That you don't look at me as an angry God. 
with vengeance. But you look at me as a brother of my humanity. Forgive him, Father. He don't know what he does. Forgive him for complaining, Father. Forgive him, Lord, for wishing you hadn't called him to preach. Forgive him, Lord, for saying he can't take it no more. And the reason you could do that is because you became one of us. You cried like we cry. Hallelujah. You must have felt sadness the way we do. You must have felt heaviness. Can I say it, Lord? You must have felt an element of depression. You felt embarrassed. The prophet gives us the account to where the people said these things and humiliated you and your face kind of turned red. You felt embarrassed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us all today, I pray, Father. We lift our hands in your presence and say we need more of you. Not just miraculous power in us, but more of your faith, more of your virtue, your kindness, your godliness, these great virtues. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many with me today before we pray? Would you just raise your hand? Just say it to, in your own way to the Lord. Lord, I need more. I need more, Lord Jesus. I need more of your love and your kindness and your patience. Heavenly Father, now I'm going to offer prayer for them. I believe, Lord, what we've heard here today. I'm not sure why I'm still trying to figure it out, why you changed last Sunday around the way you did, but that's, that's up to you. I was going to preach this last week and then preach something on farther down this week, of course, but you wanted last week, last week, and today, today. So you know what you're doing. You know how to time it. You know how to say it at the right time and the right way. Help each of us today, Lord. We don't want just knowledge of the message. We don't want to develop a know-it-all attitude, as the prophet said, was part of this Laodicean age. And he said the biggest heathen that he knew of was people with that attitude of a know-it-all, that you couldn't tell them nothing. He said they're the worst heathen, because heathen means unbeliever. God help us, I pray. Or Jesus, may we be able to see our deficit today. When we see our deficit, we'll not be able to look to the pastor and say, Pastor, give me more. Mama, give me more. Wife, give me more. There's only one source all of us can go to. When we see our deficit of faith, our deficit of virtue, our deficit of knowledge, temperance, on and on. We must come to the source. Our brother, our husband, our king. I hope this don't stumble them when I relate to you as being our brother. I wish, that, I wish they'd be able to catch it one time right. They want to know when that will change. It's quite simple, really. When we move out of this mortality, the need for you to reckon to us as our brother will be over. 
Hallelujah. For when you change clothes, we will too. But as long as we're here trapped in these mortal bodies, we still need a high priest. Hallelujah. That can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Hallelujah. And you've been raised to the right hand of the excellency. But you've maintained this human identity for 2,000 years and still not been crowned yet as King of Kings and Lord of Lords because we need a brother, an identity, my identity of humanity in the presence of God on the throne of God is your body. Though glorified, still yet identified as a man. Insomuch that Paul would say there's only one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Not the pillar of fire, Christ Jesus. Not the light, Christ Jesus. But the man, the brother, the highest of the family of God. In him was your human name of redemption. He brought that name to us. Now everything on heaven and earth is named after that name. The church is called by the name of Jesus Christ and will be until the church is changed and called up. Then you will receive a new name because the human name of redemption has completed its full course and cycle. Oh, Jesus, how we long for that day. We worship you, Lord. Praise God. How about it, friends? Can we step up on God's scale today? You know how it is when you go to the doctor, even if it's a well visit. One of the first things the nurses will do is have you to step up on the scale. We want to check your weight. Well, let's let the Lord... Just kind of direct us one by one as we step up on the scale. And let him weigh us. And see, are we okay on our face and our virtue and our temperance and all of those things today? Oh, I see you've lost a little bit of weight during COVID-19. I see that you're not as patient as you were. Your patience is running more thin with people. You need to put on a little bit more. Are we man and woman enough to be able to stand up before it and Sometimes if I put on a little bit of weight, I didn't really want to look at that scale. I didn't want them to tell me the truth. Well, come on, be honest. If you've put on a little bit, most of you, like me, you don't want to look at it. You wouldn't mind escaping that part of it. But we have to look down and acknowledge the truth. Oh, my goodness, I put on five pounds. I didn't know that. For whatever reason, it always makes me more happy when they say, you've lost two pounds since the last time you were here. That always makes me smile. Does that make you all sad? Really makes you smile too? Unless it's the Lord's scale. And if I walk up on his scale and say, Donnie, you've lost a little bit in your faith. You've lost a little bit in your virtue. During this time of COVID, I know it's been hard on you, but you've lost a lot of this and then the other. And Brother Philip, I looked at that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I believe he's took us to the pantry today. 
What do you say we eat up? Praise God. Make us more like you, Jesus. Let's sing this together, hey. Make me more like you. Let's just worship him just a little bit before we go. I know sermons like this hurt you. They don't just hurt you. They hurt me too. But I'm glad he loves us enough to tell us. Let's just worship him a little bit now. Let him pour a little bit of that oil in and kind of ease up that pain, them stings and burns. It'll make us better. Oh, me, me more like saints try to drag on out if you can and go get you a little bite to eat you might need to go home lay down for a bit after church to recuperate I'm hitting you and running I'm leaving this evening for Louisiana so (laughs) certainly desire your prayers in the meeting down there begin Wednesday night brother Wayne Lawson brother Ron Spencer and myself will be preaching the services there will be six services so Remember some prayer if you would. Brother West be speaking here on Wednesday night. And Brother Andrew be here next Sunday morning. God bless you. I love you in the Lord. I mean, he's happy. Oh, wow. That makes me happy. Praise the Lord. Sing, I'm happy, little brother. God bless you, saints. I love you in the Lord. I'll see you when I get back, Lord willing.
Start to the bay. 